Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Each week on the show, I am joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sport, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from keeping children learning to the challenges of working in this current climate and, of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Now, my guest on today's programme is Claire Dimple, owner and head of Tadpoles Nursery School in Chelsea. The private nursery was first founded by Claire back in 1976, and all of her experience in early years education has helped create a unique learning provision for children aged between two years and five years. This will be the second time that Claire has joined us on the programme, the first being mere days after the first COVID-19 lockdown in the UK was ordered over one year ago. And we'll be talking about what has been going on over the last 12 months and how Tadpoles has got on. Uh, Claire, very warm welcome to you again. And thank you once again for joining us on the programme. Thank you for asking me. Um, Goodness, it has been an interesting year. So I guess that we'll have a lot to chat about. For certain, I think it is fair to say that so much has happened since the last time we spoke um, over 12 months ago. And back at the beginning of the pandemic, um, Tadpoles remained open as a hub, didn't it, for the children of emergency workers and so had to get to grips with working under COVID safe measures quite quickly. Um, Reflecting on the whole of this last year since we had that conversation, Claire, just how have your day-to-day operations changed since you've been operating in this manner? Well, it's been a very interesting year. It started um, when we returned. We returned on June the 1st after the, the first lockdown. And uh, we put a, quite a lot of new things in practice. And some of them we have decided we will keep because they actually have worked extremely well. It has been quite onerous. Obviously, the cleaning situation has cost us a lot of money. Um, and um, it's very, very important. And we've had to, uh, we have to clean the toys. We, we have, we're very lucky. We have a huge outside space, but we've had to divide it into bubbles. We've just, we kept our children in bubbles and are still keeping them in bubbles so that every day they, they rotate into another part of the outdoor space, but then everything in that outdoor space has. So there's a lot, a lot of extra work for my staff. Um, and a lot of things like we put in, which is expensive, we put in something called fogging every three weeks, which is a bacterial um, spray, which which settles on the furniture and the fixtures. And therefore, so they can be cleaned, it, it, it creates a barrier, which has been very helpful. But all this is very expensive and has, has had, a, had an effect financially. And just how have you managed the financial side of things? Because I know that 12 months ago, when government support measures were starting to come into place, you were very much against the idea of wanting tadpoles to be in a situation where you were having to pay money back in the form of loans to the government. So has it been difficult managing that side of things? 
Um, it has been tricky. In fact, I took out a CBIL um, and in June um, because it became obvious to us that the parents of the children were going to be asking for a certain percentage of their fees back. Mm. Um, and to keep going, we had to um, take out a loan, which has been fine. And we, we due to, uh, re, to start repaying that in June. Um, but the government, other funding we haven't taken, we have taken furloughs mm-hmm. and the staff have been worth furloughed. We kept eight staff unfurloughed to begin with out of the 21 so that they can could do a lot of online learning, which they did. All the children got online um, learning and they got packs sent to them and they had Zoom classes every day. Uh, during the first lockdown, so until we started, and even after we started on June the 1st, those who didn't return were included in all our lesson plans, included in our lessons, and had packs sent to them. So again, a huge amount of work for my staff. They, they've really worked incredibly hard over over the last year. And certainly, Even harder than usual. Yeah. and certainly the issue of mental health has been greatly amplified by the pandemic, hasn't it? And I know that in the early weeks of the crisis, you were placing a great deal of emphasis on not just the psychology of the children that you work with at Tadpoles, but also on helping reassure parents, the staff at the nursery and keeping their anxieties in check. So with 12 months of having to manage all of that, how has that been for you? Uh, it has been interesting. I have staff who are still very nervous of of, of crossing, um, well, even crossing the nursery without masks and things on. So we we are putting in we put in place that we all wear masks across any public spaces, as it were. Uh, parents have been deeply reassured. We've had a lot of support from parents. And they've been marvellous at following all the rules. We have uh, followed all the quarantine rules. But now they're even further reassured because we have been given lateral flow tests mm. by the government. Uh, so each member of staff takes a lateral flow test twice a week. Um, and at last, I have to say it has taken a year, we have been sent PPE by the government. Um, previously, we were paying for our own. I think the staff have welcomed, they've liked being back. I think they felt very much at limbo before. Of course, we did have a few who were stuck in their own countries. And I think it's been really, really hard for those who are not English and haven't been able to get back to their families. Uh, my very, very wonderful manager, who's been with 24 years, I think has had a particularly difficult time over this time. been very isolated. And we have tried to help. Um, I've tried to help her in many ways. But it, it, obviously, she really would like to be with her family at this time and has not been able to go back to France. So it has been very, very tricky for them. But we do our best to make sure, for instance, we did, um, we had a couple of days where we did some relaxation sessions with um, sound bars and yoga for them. Mm. And uh, with this particular lady, I've, I've joined her to the physic garden, actually, so that she can go there and have a sort of time away from, from, just being in a park so she can sort of breathe and think and, and, and enjoy the flowers because I think that sort of really helps and it is very, very important. 
I think that's very right. I think managing mental health in that way, giving people that sort of time to breathe is so, so important. And another thing that became really obvious from the last time that we spoke as well was the fact that even as leaders as we are, there is always something new to learn. And every day is a school day. You certainly are very aware of that working within education. Um, So reflecting on this last 12 months as a whole, do you feel, Claire, you've learned anything new from adapting to this new post-COVID reality in your position? I think I've learned a lot, actually. I think from our point of view, I've learned that the parents have more anxieties than one thinks. They are very, very aware of their children's development. And I think we have realized, actually, in this last year, that the children's milestones have been quite deeply affected, um, that they're having far greater separation anxiety. And we need to be very careful how we deal with that separation anxiety with the children. And we have noticed that often their personal social, we need to concentrate on that. And we have noticed also that speech and language development is quite far behind uh, in most cases. Even though I am in a lucky position of being in a privileged area, we find that the speech and language development has suffered. So we, we're taking all that into account, trying to step that up. And I think from my point of view, I've learned that we really, from all my staff, they have worked so well as a team. The teamwork is so important. The, 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 you know, really stepping up the teamwork and making sure everybody is included in all these decisions is, is very, very important, much, much, much more so even than before. And it was quite interesting that you mentioned the privilege of being in the area that you are in the west of London, because in the future, in terms of the future of education, um, you hinted earlier that some things during the COVID period are going to remain in place. And one thing that could well play much more of a part in the day to day learning of children across all ages is the increased use of technology and online learning resources. And therefore, closing the digital poverty gap in terms of the whole of society is going to become very important if that's the direction we're going in, isn't it? I, I think it is. I think for the older children, I, I have to say for my own children, I think they were not so engaged in the digital world. And I feel it is quite young. I think they get, from my point of view, we don't actually, except for the Zoom work course, we don't use much, many, uh, many digital lessons here or, or online learning because children, oh, children are so adept at it. We prefer to, to to encourage the use of books and things like that. But I do think that we do need to, to realize that um, there has been a lot of digital poverty. There's also been a lot of outside play poverty for those who are not in, um, who are not lucky enough to have outside space to play in. And I think physical, I think physical education, physical, just physical ability has dropped a lot for those children who aren't that lucky to have those outside spaces and those outside spaces are incredibly important and that is something that you certainly place a great emphasis on as well isn't it I know we discussed a little bit a year ago but you do have that dedicated outdoor area as well and getting children playing outside and also where it's safe to play at the moment is incredibly important Uh, very important I we actually I mean I was (laughs) I was very very against the public playground being reopened. I can understand how important they are, but for me, they were not 
particularly sand pits, were not incredibly hygienic and not cleaned all the time. So I wasn't very happy with that from my perspective. But I do see that the children in other areas, they really needed the outside space. Parks were impossible. They were so crowded. And for those who, you know, couldn't just pop outside into a garden, it was just, it must have been very, very hard. Um, and as I say, from my point of view, the more physical play we can give them, the better. And I was astonished to see how many children actually did come back to us after the first lockdown. And even last time we had a few off, but in January when we started again, so the other schools were closed, how many, how full we were. We were nearly up to capacity all the time. It's incredible, isn't it, just what has happened as we've started to see some senses of normality returning. And one thing that certainly is going to be under focus as we move away from COVID as well is addressing sort of a little bit of inequality in the early years sector in the way that it is a female-dominated industry. And I understand that you especially have been making great strides in trying to encourage more male practitioners into the sector and have been part of the pilot scheme for Leslie Edwin's Think Equal programme as well, haven't you? Yes, we have, we have, and, and and both of which have been absolutely fascinating. And the Think Equal, we will continue with because it's, a lot of it is about emotional development of children and also recognising that all the emotions are valid, so we shouldn't be expecting our children to be happy all the time. So we use a colour-coded emotions chart. With, you know, They come in and we say, are you feeling red, blue, yellow or green? Red being angry, blue being sad, yellow being relaxed, and green being happy. But we we use these color codes, and then they could discuss their colors. And it, it, we want to make sure that we can recognize it is fine to feel angry. We do feel angry sometimes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think particularly at the moment when emotions have been quite high in nerves, there are a lot of nervousness about. Um, I think it's very important. And we have, yes, we, we with our male teachers, it's been enormously important to us because they have a completely, with a female-dominated staff, we, we just, we, we are kind to have a one, a female dimension, a female-to-male dimension onto, onto children's learning. And, and boys learn in a very different way from girls. And we find our male practitioners come with very different and lovely new ideas, um, which they can put into place in, in the nursery, which has been over many years uh, a great asset to us. And certainly for any one tuning into this podcast that may be familiar with the Channel 4 series, Daddy Daycare. Tadpoles also features in that, pioneering male we practitioners did. into early years. I can imagine, I can imagine that certainly that was an experience as well. It was quite an experience. It was a, one of the most interesting weeks. I can't, uh, that, um, it was quite hard work, but it was very, very interesting. And we were, we had three male practitioners sent to us, all from very, very different backgrounds and with very, very different outlooks. And it was absolutely fascinating to, to, to watch them through the week. And one of them really grew. And I was hoping would, uh, at one moment, I, I was hoping that he would go on and have a career in early years because he actually proved to be extremely capable with the children. And it's not the only sort of outreach work, if you will, that you've been doing, is it? Because 
going way back um, to the pre-COVID-19 days when the horrible Grenfell Tower disaster came uh-huh. along in London, of course, you were actively involved in helping the recovery of some of the victims as well, weren't you? And enabling them to have greater autonomy by supplying them with laundry facilities and other things. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, I, it was, I actually live just, to, well, I live in um, Kensal Rice, so I'm just above uh, North Kensington. So driving down that morning and seeing what was happening, I went that night um, and helped um, serving food, seeing if I could help with some of the children who were having trauma as a, uh, as a play therapist. And uh, I continued doing that the next day. Um, and after which I was in touch with part of the Kensington Chelsea team and I said, now what can we do practically? Mm. And we felt that, um, so everybody was being really kind and things were being done for everybody. The, 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 the families were having been put in bed and breakfast were losing autonomy and I felt it was so important for them to have a bit of autonomy over what was happening. And so they were very the bed and breakfast were, you know, they had laundry facilities or they didn't have laundry facilities. They could send their things via the bed and breakfast, via the hotels to be washed. It was quite expensive. So we decided, we, we found a, a, a laundry facility in Labrick Grove and we put quite a lot of money towards it. Some of it had been raised by my parents in our end of school concert. And in the summer, and we put a lot of money in, and I continued to top that up for a year so that they could go and have their own laundry done when and what, when they wanted, basically. Uh, because people just need to feel they're slightly in control of their lives and not everything's being done for them. It, it, it's not such a good feeling for people to feel that um, they, have, they have no say over their own lives. And one of the reasons I did want to bring that up as well is because that sense of community spirit has been incredibly important over the course of the last 12 months, hasn't it? And we've seen some examples of that in the form of people taking to their doorsteps every night for some periods of time and clapping for the NHS. And that's something that we really need to not lose sight of as we move away from the COVID period. We need to keep that alive and strong. It is incredibly important. And one of the things we've done at Tadpoles for the last three years is we've been um, taking the children down before COVID obviously to our local Ellesmere, our local care home and obviously that has had to stop. However, we have been sending them um, videos of the children and what the children are doing lately so that we can keep in contact with them because it is such a sad time, particularly it's been so I think in the in the home we've been visiting, I think they lost uh, at least fifteen of the the um, of the people in the home, which was very sad for us and them, and um, because they were often people we knew. And yes, I think we we really it is very important. We are focusing on being part of the community, um, and and anything we if we do charity work, we always try and use a local charity because we feel it's really important to to make sure that it's something which is relevant to to the children and the parents as well as to as uh, you know as part of the community Mm, I think that's very right. And just before we do wrap things up, Claire, just because I am conscious mm-hmm. that we're beginning to run short of time. Um, one thing that we did discuss one year ago was what you saw coming over the next 12 months. And 
what was said then was you were hoping to achieve a real sense of normality for the children and the parents and just keep tadpoles running. Now, 12 months later, having steered through so many uncharted waters since then, what do you feel the next year might hold for tadpoles? And what is that sort of normal going to look like in future, do you feel? Well, I think we've been incredibly lucky because the children have felt it. I don't think they've seen a change in it. And they're very respectful of the new little rules like keeping in their own bubbles. But it has, doesn't seem to have affected them at all. And I have to say, from the parents' point of view, they have been amazing. And we've had some really lovely feedback um, and thank yous about how we have given the children some normality in life. And we are hoping this will continue and we won't have any more lockdowns and no more spikes. So we can continue in the same way. And perhaps put a few of the things that we've learned, like uh, such as actually not having the parents in. It sounds very odd to drop the children, but the children being dropped at the gate. It doesn't sound very welcoming, but psychologically, it's actually quite good for the children's separation to feel they're separating from their parents rather than their parents separating from them. So lots of those sort of little things we will keep. And we will hope that the the new normal is the normal we've got at the moment, which we feel is, has gone very well. Hard work, but it has gone well. And as we start to see what that new normal is going to look like, certainly in the post-COVID world, as things do revert to normal, I think it would be fantastic, certainly, to just catch up and just see how that is taking shape and also just see what might be next on the horizon for tadpoles as well as things really do start to return. We were, we would absolutely love to do that. We are hoping to start another branch. I don't want to branch out and be huge, mm. but we are hoping to start another branch in the near future. We're in the process of of negotiations on that, so it will be it would be interesting to catch up later when when we have some more news on that. I think. I think that would be absolutely fantastic to just see how those plans are starting to come to fruition as well, Claire. Um, For now, I must say it's been a real pleasure catching up with you once more. And thank you so much for coming back onto the uh, the programme. And Uh, and thank you. And do also continue to take care and stay safe because we're not quite out of the woods yet, but I think better times certainly are coming. No, thank you. And, And absolutely, I think this is the time we have to be a little bit more cautious as we all, we're all getting into a sort of, slight holiday mode about everything and and coming out of lockdown so i think uh, caution is the watchword just to go continue with i was speaking today to claire dimple owner and head of tadpoles nursery school in chelsea and i hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview Until next time, now that outdoor hospitality has returned, I'll be off to a local beer garden to raise a glass to outstanding leadership and hopefully over the coming weeks we'll keep taking further strides toward normal life. Remember, do continue to look after yourselves and be considerate of others because it makes such a difference in preserving lives. Better days are coming, we're almost there and let's just be cautious about how we're going about it. Take care now and goodbye.